0: 48 hour art check best of podcast we go live monday wednesday on youtube 9 p.m
1: california time and you can join us there live in the chats or watch them later you can always check things out at CoreyKerr.com slash 48hr we take the best conversations from those live streams and rip them and put them into this podcast
0: Today's topic is the power of being wrong and allowing wins. Um, and so, what I mean by that is, it um, there there's this kind of weird thing that happens when people look at authority figures from like the reality of, um, I guess, the reality of what it looks like to have a responsible authority figure and the thought of somebody who's having to deal with authority figures and their thoughts on what they would do as an authority figure. And one of the false things that's just prevalent, I'm, I probably had this thought too for being in positions of like having to like teach or manage or lead people was the idea that like once you're the boss, you get to boss people around or <laughs> um, once you're the teacher, you get to teach everything and you're always right. Um, and there's – I don't know if that's reinforced by, like, bad teachers and bad bosses. I'm, I'm guessing it is. <laughs> but, um, but like, to me and, – and there's – you know, this is backed up by, like, tons of management books, tons of leadership books, tons of, like, books on psychology and just, like, gaining compliance from people. And, like, one of the quickest ways to, like, lose respect – um, is to correct people in a conversation um, in a way that's just asinine. So, so like, like unnecessary corrections. Yeah. So, like, there's good correction. Like, you, you, you know, facts are important, stuff like that. But there are times where, like, you can let somebody look good. Like, it, 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 it actually can be an asset to like let somebody look good in a group situation. Um, and then once again, maybe pull them aside or something like that outside of that. Um, that shows like, uh, to me that shows more kind of leadership. That's what I try to do. If I have a staff member say something blatantly wrong, that's not going to hurt anything having to do with like the workflow at my job or anything like that. I'm I'm not going to jump down their throat and correct them in front of a group of people because it's just like, it's kind of humiliating for that person. And, uh, and and actually would lose, I think, respects I, I, the respect of for me in that scenario, because right. it just looks like a power grab. So, like that to me is like one of the things that it's weird because I I see, um, I see this constantly with like students with like pretty much any time I've been, in, you know, on both sides of the aisle of like a, a situation where there's a group of people, um where I, where I see people kind of do that. Like it's almost like throwing somebody under the bus in a group situation. And it, it just, it really loses. Um, I, I, at least for me, it loses, I I lose a lot of respect for people when they do that. So that's what I meant by like allowing wins, but it's, it goes along with a, a psychology too of the power of being wrong where, um, and we've kind of touched on this before, but like, some of the earliest advice I got before teaching was, you know, the the worst thing you can do as a teacher if a student asks you a question is just BS like you know the answer when you don't, because they they will see right through it and you'll lose the room.
1: And you and lose when, and you lose an opportunity yeah. to strengthen the other things that you've said.
0: Exactly. And aside from the fact that you've also just closed um, a door to a gateway to knowledge, which is like a really foolish thing to do. Um, like being wrong, actually a lot of the time should be like an enjoyable thing because you are able to learn. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, so the the reason I wanted to kind of bring this up is just, it's just been on my mind. I've been reading some books on leadership and advice and stuff. And I've been thinking about this just across the board for like the 15 years or so I've been doing this and how often I see that and then how I've actually fallen prey to the opposite of that, um, especially when I was a young artist and like first entering into the field. So I don't know. I mean, that, that that's kind of touching off the topic. Does that kind of ring anything with you like? Yeah. Um,
1: Oh, I I mean, I think, I think, uh, I, I, try to look at things. Um, I know that most of the time on this show, we're talking about, uh, cartooning, illustration, design, um, you know, sometimes film and animation, um, Mm -hmm. generalized creativity. Um, I, I think sometimes it's important to step back and, and understand that like most of what we're talking about is, is, is interpersonal communication. It's, it's like, it's like human relationships. Um, you know and and if you if you look at like you know something that feels really authentic in an illustration it's because like there's some humanity in that and there's some understanding and whatnot and and i think that so these are like kind of foundational principles and the reason that i bring that up is um like literally just just like right as i got home um you know my, my daughter and i she's really strong-willed um you know like she did something wrong and I was like you know hey like let's let's do this in the future and then she like maintained that she was right when I knew that she understood that she was wrong and so after yeah. like after everything kind of calmed down you know you know I just said you know let's I don't want to do this right now let's you you just go away you know go go calm down and then we'll, we'll talk when you're in a different attitude you know and so she came down she said I'm sorry you know and she said i just get really frustrated when i think you're wrong and you you won't back down and i said i said that's interesting because that's kind of how i felt about that situation i said i i know as somebody who is 30 years older than you are that i was right in that situation she goes but you you never apologize and i'm like no that's not true when i am wrong i apologize she's like, so you just say you're never wrong. And I said, well, I'm not often wrong in simple things that you're learning because you've only been on this planet for like nine years. And so like, I've got three decades of experience. And so when I say, excuse me, and you don't get out of the way or whatever, which was the whole thing, I was carrying this thing. Um, you know, she's like, you don't even understand my side of the story or whatever. And I was like, there's no sides of the story. There was you were in the way and wouldn't move. And I said, so doubling down on that situation makes the situation worse. And it makes you look silly. Right. But if, if you just recognize, sorry, I just, I made a weird, made a weird choice. I I apologize. I I didn't mean to get in your way. You know, whatever. I'm sorry about that. Then, then you actually look like a really mature individual, like to be able to admit, you know, that you're wrong. And you look at people that are, more I, I, more immature and maybe more weak-minded, yeah. um, they're almost incapable of admitting that they might've made a bad choice or maybe that they made a mistake or whatever. And I try really hard when I recognize, especially in parenting um, that was not great, you know? And I, yeah. I, I will go to, I'll go to Scarlett and say, Hey, listen, I shouldn't have done that. I'm i so, I'm sorry that I yelled or I'm sorry that I said this or, you know, whatever. Like I, that was my bad, you know? And and it's an interesting thing to think about, like, those that cannot, like, settle in their mind that that being wrong is okay. They tend yeah. to be very fragile. They tend yeah. to be maybe either quick to anger or quick to defense or quick to being reclusive or something. They have some sort of mechanism to cover for the fact um, that they can't say... Oh yeah, I just didn't know, or I made a bad call, or whatever. And and it's interesting because I remember talking to somebody about this years ago. And um, it's about self-identification. If I identify as something, and then I do something wrong, or I don't know something in that sphere, um, it becomes a an existential identity crisis. Yeah. Um, and so if if you're like the guy that knows all the things about X and somebody asks you a question about X and you don't know that specific thing, who are you? You know, what happens with this? And so it's a really interesting thing to look at that and say, like, give yourself permission to not know everything and to like in, in the field of communication, this is, this is one of the key points. Um, People mistakenly think that because I have a degree in communication, I should be a perfect communicator and that is a dangerous position to be in in all of the classes that I've taken where they're, they're doing professional communication training. They're like, you need to understand that you are going to miscommunicate. You are going to say things wrong. You're going to say things inappropriately. You're going to misunderstand other people. There will be communication errors that are your fault and that is normal and okay. And like, I always thought it was really interesting as, as like a 20 year old sitting in these classes, like, why do they say that at every one of these classes? It's like a focal point. And then I realized like, oh, the humanity of that, you know, like if I identify, like I'm a communications major, so I can never communicate poorly or whatever. um, Then what happens when I communicate poorly? Well, all of a sudden myself of my, my, my identities in question, and I don't know who I am anymore, but if it's just like, I'm a person. And these are things that are things that I know how to do. And these are things that I don't. Um, And sometimes I do these things well. And sometimes I don't, that's different than like, I am this. And when I do that poorly, it means I am poor. I am bad.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, I I think it just kind of comes down to like vulnerability um, because like, like at least it's my, my experience, but the most insecure people I've met tend to speak in really big absolutes. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, it's always like whatever they communicate, 100%, 100%, like absolutely, completely, this is the only way, that kind of thing. Like very rigid black and white thinkers. Um, and not that there aren't black and whites, but my point is just that, um for people who like their whole life every decision every opinion they have is black and white right um and and like once again every mistake they make is not their mistake because they don't make mistakes that kind of thing to me that like raises a big red flag like um for anyone i'm dealing with like if i were hired by a company that was like we never make mistakes we've never made a mistake we never lie like that those kind of statements like nevers and always like to me that that starts to signify that i'm dealing with somebody who's fairly immature yeah because I'm yeah. like I, I just don't imagine anyone who's been on this planet <laughs> for a long period of time um making a claim like that about like their own abilities without being able to back it up. And and
1: And if you look at, if you look at um, Perry's neurological uh, model, he, he, he breaks down um, the stages of neurological development during the college age. Um, So from like, from like 17 to 25 Um, and, and the earliest stages are exactly what you're describing. Like, Everything is black and white. Um, there's there's authority and there's the receivers of authority. Like there's authority that has the knowledge, and then there's people that have no agency that receive the knowledge from the authority. Uh, there are absolute answers, um, and and complexity is almost incomprehensible um, in, in the nuance and the complexity of things. Like you, you tell somebody in that stage about something that's a gray area, and oftentimes. Um, their response uh, is anger or, yeah. or frustration because it's like, you know, why are you making me feel cognitive dissonance? And it's like, yeah. well, cause the world is gray. You just don't actually have the neurological ability to understand that yet. But the, but the interesting thing is like, as, as you progress, um, you, you, the next stage is like you let you withdraw from authority because you're frustrated about the fact that authority is fallible. um, but then you look at like all opinions as being equally valid, regardless of expertise or or anything. It's like, well, that's his opinion, man. And then beyond that, you start to say, um, you start to see like the nuance instead of complexity. But your ability yep. to like understand that nuance and comprehend and judge that nuance is really hampered. And then eventually, yep. you get to the point on the other side of complexity where you have the clear for the clear sight of um simplicity in the midst of complexity and that's yeah. where you can you can make um educated guesses you're you're like, you're basically saying i know that this isn't an absolute but i do know that this is the best i've got with with what i know and so that's what i'm going to commit to and that's called commitment within relativism and it's it's actually a significantly more advanced way of thinking um not to say that the other ways of thinking are are bad because he doesn't make value judgments of bad or good it's just important to understand that some people think one way and some people think the other way um but it's it's a more advanced ability to be able to hold conflicting ideas in your mind without going crazy like to understand that there's something I don't understand. I know this is true. I know this is true. And those things conflict with each other. And there's probably something in this. And with all of this information, I'm going to make this decision because I feel like that's the best that I can do at this time, given that things might change and I'm willing to change with the times. That is an exceptionally advanced way of thinking because you're basically saying, that it's okay to be fallible, which is really hard for like lower levels of neurological development.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, and so I guess, I guess like um, where this would like tie into art is like, um, you know, and we've kind of dealt with this with critique, but I guess there's a way to kind of tie it in with that where let's say um, what, like, what do you want out of showing your art to, Uh, like a peer or to someone you admire or to a publisher. Yeah. Do you want them to say, um, this is amazing. We'll publish it and then never give you a contract because it's terrible. Yeah. Um, You can go on deluding yourself thinking it's great. Do you want them to tell you what they actually think of it? Um, And then are you open to being wrong? Are you open to being like, wrong in your own perception of where your work was at and, and actually having that gateway open so that you can advance and make it right. You know?
1: And the, and Uh, the interesting thing is I think that at different times and in different situations, each of those is an acceptable desire. Exactly. There are some times where I just need to be validated in my art. Mm -hmm. And there are other times where, I need to know what I'm not seeing so that I can improve, you know? Yeah. there are other times where uh, just an honest assessment of, of is this good or bad or, you know, what what's working and what's not working. Um, yeah. But a lot of times I think, and I know you weren't saying this, but a lot of times I think, like, um, we say, oh, it's only this, you know? It's like, no, it's very situational. Like, there are many times where I'm like, I'm done with this. Will you tell me it looks good? Because <laughs> I, yeah. I want to be able to move on. <laughs>
0: I think that's where like an honest assessment of that is good too, because there are times where you just, you know, maybe that is what you want to hear. Um, and like tying into like, so the reason I was thinking about the grace of like somebody kind of letting something slide, um, like a conversational error is I've thought about the multiple times that I've met, Guys like that are way bigger in industry who could be a pathway somewhere, right? Um, And they've said something really stupid in front of a group of people that nobody called them out on, and it's not a damaging thing they said. It's not going to lead to any harm or any sort of problem. And the grace of letting that slide, but I've also seen them do that to people who they have no reason to let it slide with. Right. Because they, it's not like positionally they gain an advantage by kissing up to like right. a young artist who's just, you know, hanging out or whatever. Um, they, I, I've seen that displayed a lot with, with, um, with a lot of the people I admire. And we were actually saying this before even recording. Like what's mystified me about the industry is usually when I meet people that are really kind of snotty and, like, jerks, they're usually not the big guys. Like, yeah. occasionally you do have somebody who's, like, brilliant and they're just a jerk. <laughs> and, and actually, weirdly enough, because it's such a tight-knit community, like, everyone in the community knows they're a jerk. But they're just, like, but they're brilliant. So we just kind of, we let them do their work. Yeah, We not really want to work with them, but we like their work. We like re- looking at their work. Um, there's that occasional person but that's a real exception I think the majority of the time like the most humble people you'll meet are some of the most successful people and so like that to me um like once again kind of uh I don't know why I thought of this I think it's because like a couple days ago I just saw somebody do that to someone who was in a lower position than them and I just thought it was kind of a a dick move. (laughs) Yeah. Cause there was no purpose in that other than just feeding your own ego. And in that, in that scenario, it was just, um, I hope I'm being clear about what that is. Like what I'm talking about, was I clear about that? I don't know.
1: (laughs) I I think so. Um, I'm I'm trying to figure out who said this. It's been, it seems like it's been attributed to a lot of different people, but, um, you can easily judge the character of a man by how he treats those who can do nothing for him. Yeah um yeah. and i mean is it ann landers or abigail van Buren or whatever i don't know i'd have to probably read this article to do it, it looks like there's a big thing but anyway i have i've often thought that that's that's super important because yeah. um one one tenet of existentialism is uh is to not treat people as objects and our natural inclination is to objectify everyone um because we we view people as uh, as they relate to us and so yeah. it's really it's really difficult to view people as they are themselves rather than as uh, this person will do this to me or this person has this opportunity for me or you know whatever it's like you know you, you, you get pulled over by a policeman or something you, you're not thinking this is probably a father of two people you're thinking how is this? object going to interact with me. It's going to be threatening or frustrating or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so uh, it, it is a really interesting thing to look at those who could totally rip somebody to shreds for being wrong because, you know, the person who was wrong was in a, in, in a position to do literally nothing for that person. Like yeah. there's, there's no benefit that this person could get by kissing up to them or being nice to them or anything and they treat them well anyway, uh, yeah. that, that says a lot about that person, given an yeah. opportunity to do otherwise that they, they choose positivity or encouragement or, or even just kind of like a, a turning a blind eye to something, um, you know, that is, as a harmless mistake. That's, that's, I think really important.
0: Yeah. And, and, I, I guess what I was getting at is like, I I'm just mystified by like, when I talk to younger artists, they tend to have this perception that like authority is pointing a finger, telling people what to do, always being right. And literally like, you know, never admitting mistakes. And I, I could say if you're going to be like a high pressure, like New York car salesman, that might be a good route. If 50, 50 that. years ago. Yeah. 90 years ago um but it it, you know i'd say the majority of the time i I think there's kind of like i think that works if you're running a dictatorship right um and then there's there's real downsides to a dictatorship because you create a real situation um where basically the second anyone else is is isn't with within even a a, a quotient of your power, they're a threat and they will be a threat because they're not pleased with you. They're just doing what you say because you're forcing them to.
1: Yeah.
0: So the second that person's in a situation where they can then flip it around, they will. Right. And So that's the downside. And so that's a real, like, like, you know, sort of Damocles kind of situation where it's like, <laughs> I don't want to be in that chair. Right. Um, But but I think the other tactic of leadership where it's it's and and like what's gained my respect for for a lot of people that I've seen that are kind of higher up is people who are willing to admit mistakes. Um, And this does not mean a pushover who owns mistakes that are not theirs. I think that's silly. But uh, but, you know, like somebody who's willing to own up to their mistakes, kind of admit wrongs course correct very quickly rather than having like a moment like 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 Corey was describing like a mass existential crisis um because like like and this happens to young teachers and Corey's probably seen that happen possibly with peers i don't know um but i but i have heard that from a lot of new teachers where it's like the first time and and i i felt it um the first time i was in front of a room and i was like you already feel kind of weird because there's the whole like, do, do I, should I even be here kind of feeling when you're – but you're kind of stepping into that role. And the first time you have a student ask you a question, you have no idea what the answer is. It In your bones, it's like a very embarrassing scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, but then what's weird is the second you're just like, yeah, I really don't know. It's like that gut thing disappears, and surprisingly, like, classrooms could care less. Like, they actually – you know, I think people respect that. So yeah, so that's part of
1: I, and I, I, and can't, I along I, those lines I think in industry it's important as well because sorry? Oh, I'm sorry. Um in, in industry I think it's important as well because like uh one one of the things that I can honestly say that I think I did well um as an art director was um <clears throat> openly admitting when somebody was better at me better than me at yeah. something specific. There's there's some real power to to being able to say, um, you know, hey, hey, James, would you would you do this? Because you've got a better handle on photography than I do. Like all of a sudden, everybody's like, "Whoa!" Did the leader just admit you know, that some of us have specific skills that are better than his? Because yeah. that opens up a whole new level of teamwork and a whole new level of production where people are like, "So we're a we're a team. This isn't like a dictatorship. This is like." Yeah. You know, like we're going to be used for our strengths and, yeah. and be put in places and when and, and what what's interesting about that is is once you start doing that, um, it again, the same principle is in the classroom, is in the workforce, it it's like it strengthens what you choose to take on. And yeah. so as an art director, you know, when I say I'm gonna grab this project, because I was also saying, Hey, because you're, you're probably the best out of the five of us to do this thing would, would you mind doing that and I include myself in that would, would you mind doing this um, it makes it makes assignments and it makes teamwork and it makes collaboration work a lot better um, yeah. just just kind of openly admitting like hey I really appreciate that like I learned something from the way that you did that yeah um, they're like whoa that's weird because most most people are too terrified to admit like, well, what if what if somebody in the group is better than me at something? Yeah. Then I shouldn't be in charge. The fact of the matter is they probably are better than you at something. You yeah. know, especially sure. in a leadership position, you you're going to be foundationally very wide, probably yeah. with some very specific skills, but you're not going to be an expert at every skill. Yeah. And so somebody, you need to hire the people that like strengthen your weaknesses and then admit to them that that's why they're part of the team. Like I appreciate the fact that you do X because we need on this team, somebody who does X better than I do.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And I, I think that goes a long way to building trust too, because like, once again, like I was saying at the top, like the, the quickest way to lose someone's trust is to introduce yourself. Hi, I'm so-and-so and I never lie. It's like, okay, we are I'm not a very gonna be honest. honest person. Yeah, I'm I'm completely honest. I don't <laughs> like dishonesty. Okay, well, th- now I'm not necessarily pressing what you're saying. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, so uh yeah, anyhow, I it was just a, a thought on, on my on my mind and uh but I think it's of value and it's a weird thing because it's probably like a trope, but I do think that um that people should kind of think about that when they're, when they're dealing with uh, clients and things like that. Like imagine you're hiring some, I've actually had this happen. Like I've, I've had a time where I like ordered food and the, the person like taking the order knows the meaning of what I was asking, but it was misspoken in a way and they correct my grammar on it. Um, that's a real quick way to like lose the respect of the person who's conducting business with you you know what I mean and it's like imagine that if that's like you hire an artist and then the artist has that attitude with you <laughs> like yeah. it's just I, I think it would be very hard to kind of retain clients and retain the respect of clients with that kind of kind of thing too so yeah anyhow absolutely cool
1: alright well that was, that was a good topic I like that that's fun Cool. So, uh, if you want to check out our work, you can always go to joshuakempel and you can see uh, lots of the stuff, uh, especially in quarterly stories, where um, Josh is being exceptionally uh, authentic and vulnerable with some of the things that he's done. He's a character in that story, um, and is intentionally going out of his way to not hide his faults. It's an, it's an interesting it's an interesting telling because I think all of us would. Our natural response would be like, I'm going to tell this so that I look a little bit better. And there there are scenes in that where Josh doesn't look great, which is, is kind of like what we're talking about. And I think is one of the most powerful things about that story is that it's that it's real and authentic. So go check that out. It's quarterlystories.com, joshuakimble.com, um, and, you, and you can just go to quarterlystories. Um, and then you can see some stuff that I did at
0: koryker.com.
1: Uh All right. So we'll see you guys in a couple of days. I'm out.